I'm Rachel Foley with Ari Meglin, and we're your host for the Merry Writer Podcast. We're on episode 80, and this week's question is, how do you approach writing science fiction? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. Now, please help us welcome author RJ Sorrento to the show. RJ, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to our chat today. Oh, we are too. Did you want to tell us a little bit about your writing background? Sure. Um, So I started writing fiction, some original and some fan fiction back in my college days, which is uh, almost 20 years ago. Eh, I don't like admitting that, but that is accurate. So um, it was just my creative outlet when I was in college and I was bogged down by all my work that I was doing, I I was taking a lot of science classes and biochemistry and just all sorts of random things. And I needed something that was more of an outlet to express myself with words. So I would just write little shorts or I would write fan fiction, depending on what fandom I was obsessed with at the time. And then I wanted to eventually get into something longer, but just never got there until a few years ago. Oh, nice. That's how I got my start as well. I started writing fan fiction when I was 10 and it was mostly Ninja Turtles. Yes. (laughs) Did you ever write Ninja Turtles? I did not, but I I like the Ninja Turtles and that's, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. There's a fandom for everything. That's what I love about fan fiction. I still write fan fiction. I wrote some fan fiction during like quarantine um, last year when I just wasn't leaving the house at all. And I, I'm still getting comments on it. And I'm just like, I was in a different place last year. So I'm like trying to remember what I wrote and I'm like, okay, you know, it's, it's fun way to connect with other people because you're kind of on the same wavelength with the, the fandom. Right. Yeah. You all have that one thing in common with each other. Yes. Yeah. It's like an unspoken thing. I'm just, it's a nice, it's a nice way and, and you also don't have to worry about uh, world building and create character development because you already, you've got that part down. You yep. can just play and have fun and do whatever with it. Oh, yeah. I know. Fan fiction is totally underrated. It is. And it gets maligned. And I, I don't like when I see that I really get defensive because I am a fan fiction writer and reader. And some of my favorite things I've ever read are fan fiction. So... I will defend fan fiction, you know, the rest of my life. I think think I'm, I'm kind of on the fence because I have read some brilliant fan fiction and you can see they like really like honored the world and the development and you can see they've got like real talent and it's been really good. And then I've seen a bit too much of the other side where you sat there and you're reading some things and you're like, Ooh, I bet that author doesn't really like, like what you've just done there with that. (laughs) because some of it's gone like a bit too into a different area (laughs) (laughs) but uh but no I think I think it's an interesting an interesting way of starting especially if you're new to writing because it's almost like a safe place to kind of showing some of your creativity and as you said because there are fan fictions uh, fandoms for all sorts of different people you already have 
a good support group because there's always going to be people going yeah i love this i want to know more because obviously you're using characters and worlds that they're already in love with whereas if you're straight out throwing original there it's so much easier for people to go yeah oh, that sucks i hate it rubbish the appeal of fan fiction especially at the beginning Oh, totally. I mean, fan fiction, it opens so many doors for a lot of people. And I do agree. You can have those people that are like, wow, this is awesome. And looking back at the fan fiction I wrote when I was 10 and I look at the reviews, the reviews, <laughs> I'm like, why did these people love this? Like, it, there's nothing to this chapter. It's like 50 <laughs> words long and it's all dialogue and it's awful. These people lied to me and I based a career off of this. <laughs> That's what, but that's what's great about the fan fiction community because you do get so much support and people know, like, I mean, I'll see people, I can tell they're just starting to write and they're just trying to get their, their footing. And I, I will like send words of support. Like, you know, if you want a beta reader or, you know, if you, I really like this, if you want to, you know, bounce off ideas, I'm, I'm here for you, you know? So to me, it's like, it's a safe place. Like uh, Ari said, you know, to get, get your footing with writing and, and test out your style and your voice. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So with that said, now, now that we know that, you know, we all got our start, well, most of us got our start from fan fiction. <laughs> RJ, I'm going to ask, what drew you to write science fiction? Uh, so science fiction for me has always been something I've been drawn to um, from the time I was a kid. You know, I loved um, E.T. I loved Star Wars, Star Trek, all of those things were just captivating to me because they could tell stories about humanity, but in a different lens and a different scope than a typical fictional story can. And I felt like I learned more about human emotion and, and interesting characters through science fiction than like any other genre. So I feel like that was something I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to create characters that um, had, I don't know, like almost limitless possibilities. So in my case, I gave mine superpowers. So <laughs> through scientific means, <laughs> and I just, that's just something I, I've always been interested in. And it gets me excited to write because I just know that I can take it different places that I couldn't in, in a real world context, I can't let someone fly. So I'm like, I need to be able to let them fly. And I, I'm not great with fantasy. So I wanted to go the science fiction route. That's really interesting. I like that because you said that when you were in school, you took a lot of science classes and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you just, you're, you're very smart in that department. It sounds like. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I mean, because it's like fiction is fiction. You can do whatever you want and no matter how unrealistic it is, it's fiction but there is that fine line between fantasy and science fiction and science fiction is more of that reality bit, but it's still totally out there. No mm -hmm. pun intended with like the futuristic <laughs> alien stuff. Right, right. You can go so many places with science fiction, but then there's still that grounding in reality and where you're like accepting these people, or you're accepting um, what they can do and their abilities because it is science fiction. You know, I can totally accept Yoda or even baby Yoda um, as a real character because it, it works in a science fiction realm. 
I'm not questioning it. I'm not like having to suspend disbelief. So I feel like science fiction just opens up so many possibilities for writers and for readers for their imaginations to just expand. Yeah, I have to admit, I have always loved science fiction. And when I was growing up, you know, definitely, definitely a Trekkie. Loved things like Battlestar, you know, absolutely addicted to the Alien franchise movies, things like that. And it's a lovely blend, you know, having the science and the fiction. And you do have those kind of like, I mean, you don't always have to have that, but there's the, the science rules that are harder to break. So if you're sat there going, oh, we're doing this on this planet, it does get this like, well, is the planet breathable? And can this happen? And how is that? Because while you have still got a, a lot of flexibility, it isn't the same flexibility you have with fantasy, where it's like, boom, dragons, that's it, <laughs> just dragons. You know, it is a bit more like, well, you know, if this person did get, you know, bitten by a radioactive spider, then it explains, well, how it mutates and everything. And I think that it, it works on so many levels. And I have seen people kind of get the idea that, oh, well, science fiction is very limiting. It's like, it's just space and ships and that's it. And it's like, no, there's actually a massive range you can do with it. And especially if you do blend in some fantasy or like yourself with like sort of superhero kind of things with these abilities, it's so limitless in a way. And yet there are rules to it as well. And I don't know, I think it's, it needs more people writing it. It's awesome. Yes, I agree. I, the more science fiction, the better. And I think the other thing that drew me to science fiction too was um, there was always more diverse rep in science fiction than you see sometimes in just your average fictional story, which is mostly heteronormative, mostly white, um, where science fiction was looking at racial diversity, um, gender diversity, all sorts of things way ahead of its time. So I think that to me was also exciting um, as a young person, like seeing a little bit of myself in that part as well. So I feel like, yeah, science fiction just needs, needs so much love. I never viewed it that way. Because for me, like science fiction, my favorite type of science fiction is like the futuristic with the robots and, you know, things like that. And superheroes. I love superheroes. Everything comes back to Marvel for me. <laughs> and I even tried writing uh, my own superhero robotic type story, which I definitely need to rework because it's very similar to Iron Man, which I didn't do on purpose. I started writing this back in 2013 before I even started watching the Marvel movies and Iron Man and stuff. But it's true. There's so much that you can do with it. And yeah, like even robots themselves, they're, they're like a different race, you know? So it's, if you look at it from that perspective, they, it opens so many doors. I think you, you, you're also able to do a lot more like with the deeper arcs and everything. It's like, because if you, if you go for like the futuristic, then it's like, well, how, if this is like, you know, 3000 whatever 3080 it's like how did we get to this point it's like has there been a lot of wars has there been some sort of massive cataclysm has everything just expanded and people have just gone into ships and gone further off so you've got all this you've got a lot of backstory you can throw in as well to like how did we get to this point over here so you've got the ability to say oh we've got histories we can write and other character arcs and much more oomph oomph to the story mm -hmm. All I'm hearing Definitely. is a crap ton of planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, then, what's the biggest hurdle in writing science fiction that you've found? 
Uh, for me, world building is, is rough. You know, part of why I set my um, Captain Stellar novel series in Chicago is because I live in the Chicago area and I did not have to create a brand new setting with all new rules. The only difference was that in this version of Chicago, some of the people get abducted by a scientist who gives them powers. So... <laughs> You know, as long as I had my my scientist and my um, science fictiony way of giving them powers, I, I, that part kind of helped with the world building. Um, but also with science fiction, there are action sequences that are really hard to write. You know, in my head, I pictured it a certain way, and then you're trying to write it, but also write it in a way that's interesting and suspenseful. And that was such a struggle. I'm like, thank goodness for editors. Um, thank goodness for beta readers who are like, can you expand on this? Can you show me better what's going on here? And I'm thinking, how? I can, can't I just put the screen in my head onto the paper somehow? Can you just do that? Because I can see it and it looks like an awesome music video, you know, going on. And then I try to write it down. It's just that like blurry painting of the, the wolf, that meme where it's like, how it looks, beautiful photo of a wolf, how it's written, ugly painting of a wolf. That's basically me writing action scenes. So those were my hurdles, being honest here. <laughs> I mean, you and everyone else, let's be real here. We can, we can all picture our books in our heads as if it's a movie. And then when we actually write it, it's just like. Yeah. It. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's one of those things where action scenes, especially I, I always, I remember writing like notes to myself while drafting, like this will get better at some point, um, like promises to myself, even if they were empty. Um, you know, so I feel like that is a hurdle with science fiction. Um, also just trying to make sure the rules are, are intact and that they're consistent. Um, especially from a scientific standpoint, if they're not reliable and valid, what is the point? You're not even doing science right then. So, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself though. Um, but yeah, those, those were the, the struggles. I think, I think again, because it's, it's like science fiction and because obviously science is real and because there are a lot of people who are either very knowledgeable or interested in science or just, you know, sci-fi books. You, you get you got to get certain things right because they'll be straight away going why is that that's not right i don't know how that is and, and that's so it's like you can get away with going fancy it's like fancy it's like it's just it's just the way it is that's how gravity works in this world but when you're based in like a realistic place <laughs> realistic as if like chicago's like just realistic in a real place if you're based in a real place then you have people going well i don't know why that's there and well that wouldn't happen so yeah i suppose the the, the the science you have to again a little bit flexible but yeah there has to be enough down so that you don't have to deal with those kind of people <laughs> of which I admit I am one of those people I will watch a movie and I'll be sat there making notes going I'm sure that's not right I'm gonna have to check that that's know? that's I'm the same way I, I do that so this is why I'm so hard on myself because I am like a critic in that way especially with with sci-fi films I'm just like wait wait a second you know <laughs> hold on wait with it what but for the most part I like to just enjoy the ride if I can but there are things that can throw you yeah. for sure so I try to be cautious 
I mean, I guess in, in some way it is a huge learning experience. So you can take that as an opportunity to learn something new and really immerse yourself in the world of the, like, well, the world that you created, but also just science in general. And it is, it's difficult too. I'm, I'm going to like go back to the action scenes for a minute. And if you have like action scenes are difficult to write in general, but if you have like archers or something, you can go take an archery class and you can have the experience of what it feels like to, you know, shoot a bow and arrow. Whereas if you have characters that have superpowers or they have laser guns or anything like that, there's no experience for that. So how exactly do you write an action scene in such a way that, you know, looks and feels realistic? But I mean, you can't really, you can't compare it to real life. And how do you convey that to the readers to make it seem like it is a real thing? Yeah, that that is the struggle. That's the ultimate struggle. Mainly for me, I, I'm very good at imagining myself in various situations, which... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I would spend time just picturing like if I could fly or if I could burn people with my hands, what would that feel like? You know, and, and I would kind of go from there. Um, or a lot of it too, is like just being inundated with sci-fi and superheroes like my whole life. I mean, I've been a Batman fan since I was four years old. So I've been picturing people fighting and you know having these scenes my whole life so it's just kind of ingrained in my in my mind and the problem for me I guess was the translation of that all of my life experience and all of my visual and memory of all this and trying to put it somehow in, in word format um but yeah that is it's such a struggle actually that's an interesting point um like some of my characters in my story the blessed i have winged characters and i actually have a whole race of people who have like um the ability to control fire and everything but they're born with that so it, to me it's easier to write that it's like they just have wings and they just but if you're dealing with characters who were like 100 human and then have been tested on and then gain the ability to fly i mean that's a completely different sense than mm -hmm. if you know whereas most fantasy characters it's like they have these abilities just that's part of who they are so having you've also got that transition of like how would they feel not just the control but like you know ah, my hands on fire kind of feeling and that's actually that's actually an interesting thought because I've never thought of having to write a character like that where you've suddenly got this kind of like you know suddenly you can fly it's like I'm right. a big panic as well as a, oh my god that's so cool oh maybe that's yes just there's definitely <laughs> panic involved because I kept trying to think about my character um the one who can fly and he he's a little bit of a himbo and um he he definitely panics more than enjoys it at first and I just felt like that was um I kind of wanted to show an opposite reaction to someone getting superpowers because usually they get superpowers like oh wow and they're just so amazing and they're so skilled and they're so um coordinated and they also know how to do everything whereas like my guy Cal you know he he's just like, wait, what? I can do this now? How? How do I do this? And he keeps falling and he keeps falling on his face and he's falling on his ass and he's just, you know, he's trying to figure it out and he's just 
falling and failing a lot. And I feel like that's kind of how I would be as well. So I, I don't think I'd have any a special grace or anything if I was all of a sudden had the ability to fly or punch things. I'd end up like hurting, like going through several walls or, you know, hurling myself through things that I shouldn't be hurling myself through. So I wanted to kind of show that as like a, a different way of looking at gaining superpowers as not being necessarily sexy at first. It's, um, it's, it was tough. <laughs> so I wanted to show a different side to it. As a kid, I always, you know, I was very much into X-Men and stuff and I always wanted to have my own superpowers, but I mean, you watch these movies and TV shows and it's like, well, it's really not all glitz and glamour. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I tried to go as far away from glamour as I could. I'm like, this is him trying to fly and he falls in his face, you know, basically. I don't know if I would do that. Like if I learned how to, if I was able to fly, I don't know if I'd be hurtling myself off of buildings. I think I would just lay in bed or on the floor and be like, I want to be as close to gravity as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh man. So with that said, you, you clearly take a look at you know superpowers and science fiction on like a totally different level so I'm going to ask what's some advice that you have for other writers wanting to write in the science fiction genre um other than you know getting your world building established which you know if you figure it out you know tweet me up let me know dm me um because world building is hard um but once you have all that established I would say my biggest advice is write characters that are interesting even if they aren't likable, right? Multifaceted, interesting characters are a little bit different from your average everyday, whatever. Um, mainly because if the characters are interesting or they stand out in some way, your reader is going to go on this journey with them, no matter what's going on. Because at least for me, I'm very much into character-driven storytelling. Um, I need to be invested in the characters. Even if I hate the character, that's still a visceral reaction. Even if I'm kind of disgusted by a character or or I'm fascinated by them, I'm curious about a character, I will follow them on their journey. So I would say my biggest advice for science fiction is don't forget the characters. World build, do all your um, settings and, and anything that you need to do on the detailed aspect, which I totally understand is important. But don't forget about your characters. They are, they are going to be the heart and soul of the story. And you really need your readers invested in them or else the, all that you create your world and, and everything else just looks bleak or dull. If your characters aren't alive. A good way of putting it. Your characters need to be alive. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that quote. And, and you- <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> They need to be alive. They need to feel like real people because I feel like even with science fiction, there's that sense of like, well, I'm just reading about robots or I'm just reading about, it's like, no, no, no. These are all real. These are real three-dimensional people, whether they're androids or, or superheroes or evil scientists, they're real. And if you treat them as such as a writer, they feel real to the reader. I think that's that's something that's a possibility in sci-fi is because there's the ability to put all the, the the science and the tech and that kind of stuff in. I think it can be easy for especially new writers to kind of get caught up in all that and they're like that you know really intense world building and really intense like you know all the whether it's robots or ships or, or the science tech 
to the point where you can almost forget to put as much detail in the character. But I'm on saying I love character-driven stories. If I had to choose between, I would take a character-driven story over a plot. I mean, it's nice to have both, but if it was one or the other, I would much rather be invested in the characters than be invested in the plot or, or the world build. It's like, wow, massive world and all this detail and technology. And it's like, can't remember the protagonist's name. Just not, just not showing. I can't remember it until every time I see it. So yeah, I can, I think, yeah, definitely, definitely put more effort into the characters and don't get too wound up <laughs> with all the intensity of everything else. But uh, can I throw in an extra question? Go for it. I do this all the time. How much research do you think you have to do for your your style of novels on regarding the science and like the tech side to make you feel comfortable with how it works in the story? So for me, it kind of depends. I tend to research as I'm writing because I write out my basic plot beats, kind of use like that save the cat writes a novel format to get my plot beats out. I spend a lot of time on character development, but then when it comes to the world building, I almost find that as I'm writing, I realize, oh, I need to research this. I need to look into this a lot more before I continue. So I'll kind of put a pin in something, write notes and come back to a scene after I've done the research. So it's hard for me to quantitatively say how long it takes me to research, but I do research as I draft because for me, the world building is, is part of it, but the main thing is the arc for me and the character arc um, as, they're, as the plot's advancing. So I wish I had a better answer of, of the amount of time it takes, but I do research a lot as I go. No, I, I like that. And it's interesting to find because every, every, because everyone does research different and the idea that you kind of get to a point, stop, and then go research rather than maybe write everything and then go back in and kind of wedge in the research that you've done. That's kind of good to know. because uh, Yeah, I, would I just can't. It, it's hard for me to know everything I'm going to need to know because I, I, I plants or whatever you want to call it. So I sometimes I'll hit something and I'm thinking, oh, this is I, I need to look into this more. And for me, like world building needs to be woven in, not info dumped. So if I can like weave in the details, I feel like I do it better if I'm researching as I draft. That's fair too, because uh, sometimes things come up like when you're in the middle of writing, like you can, like you just answered my follow-up question was whether or not you outlined or planned before you started the first draft and you plant, which is great. I usually outline first, but there's no matter how much you plan or outline as you're writing the first draft, there's always something that comes up that you need to make a note and say, okay, I got to research this. And so I can finish the scene later and actually have it be accurate. <laughs> yes. Yes, very much so. Cause I think that's what happened to me too, because I would outline so much. And then one of my characters would decide to go off the freaking rails. And I'm like, well, I might as well just burn this outline because it all changed. I literally had an epiphany once. I was watching um, She-Ra, the animated series, and I had an epiphany about how I was going to end book two because I was kind of stuck on my outline. For whatever reason, She-Ra triggered it. And I literally rewrote like 25% of my outline, like the, the final bit of my outline. Totally changed my story. So <laughs> I like to be open to the things that come into my head. 
<laughs> you know, and it's because sometimes your brain, you know, it will solve the problem for you. It just takes time and just almost like letting go a little bit and then kind of just comes to you. <laughs> so I try not to get too um, precious about my, my plans because I know things can change. It's a good way to be. <laughs> just the idea that She-Ra triggered everybody. It's like, I feel like I need to start watching that because I've got a couple of plot holes I could do with fixing. <laughs> Definitely watch She-Ra season one. I, I highly recommend. Something about the season finale, I just, yeah, it just, boom, hit me, hit me really hard. And I just had to fix things. <laughs> I have to ask though, out of, all, all of your characters, have you ever thought, okay, this character is going to have this certain superpower, but then when you started writing, the character ends up having something different? Has that ever happened? Yes. And actually that happened with my Epiphany character, <laughs> Margot, <laughs> who she, uh, Shira helped me with. Um, Margot started out with just the ability to fly. And as book two progresses, I decided that she needed something more because she is such a strong character and I wanted her to get a boost. Um, I'm still slowly outlining book three. Uh, things have been delayed in my mind, but I decided that I was going to give her more abilities. So I had to find a way to do that. And, and I, I found a way. So she ends up with something very different and she becomes a completely different character, almost to the point where she is now more powerful than my main character. So she's someone that surprised me in, in many ways. Um, her, her sexual orientation changed. <laughs> I mean, everything just, she just became this, I don't know. She was just the side character kind of, she was one of my, she was the love interest sister. And then she just turned into this really powerful pansexual woman. So I'm not sure what happened, but I have Shira to thank. So. That's actually really amazing. And it cracks me up how we're talking about how we need to make our characters feel alive. And clearly we're making them feel too alive because yes. they just have a mind of their own. I mean, characters suck. Like the amount yeah. of times that a character has changed on me without, you know, my okay is it's crazy, but it is what it is and it works. So who we can't complain. <laughs> it does. It totally, it totally works. And I just was really surprised because she was going to be my like token straight character. And I was just like, oh, guess not. <laughs> so that, that happened. Um, you know, so I had to create another token straight character instead. And, and that worked out much better. So um, sometimes, you know, the things that you least expect, you know, they just totally change your story. And, and like I said, this is why I don't hold on to my outline too, too dearly, because the surprises that you get as you write or as you're dreaming up, your story can be amazing. I always like that because you can usually tell when you read a book um, if a character's kind of developed like that. And I kind of like it when you get a character that you may not have put loads of detail in because I said they were sad characters or something, but then they're just over here flourishing and then you're like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> and suddenly they become this like awesome character usually they're the ones that you get people writing about going oh yeah I love the main character oh but that other character are you going to write about them more and I want a spin off and it's like and you can usually tell the characters like that where they weren't planned to be anything bigger but they sort of 
outgrew the the mold that they were in and i love that i love characters like that that kind of surprise you so do i i i'm such a fan of side characters that i wrote like a novella for one of my side characters because i felt like i gave him a bad end in book one and i i just love a good side character i feel like side characters need love um and because the main characters are great but give me a side character any day who just takes you by surprise and you're like oh this this person I, oh i i want to get to know this person more what's going on here so yeah and that kind of happened with margo and to the point where i i keep fixing ideas around for book three and i'm at the point where margo might actually be my main character and cal might be on the side for once and she's going to get a chance to really shine now that she's super powerful probably more powerful than than cal is and cal's pretty pretty darn powerful so we shall see my brain keeps switching things on me so if i can get it together i'll start writing again that's always a good feeling when the characters seem to figure everything out for you mm -hmm. and then you just need to worry about the writing part and that's it yeah yeah i just have to do the translation part and yes. get the photo of the wolf not to look like an ugly painting of the wolf. <laughs> right. So I think we've covered a lot about, you know, science fiction and hurdles and advice and all that fun stuff. So RJ, it's been really great having you on the show. This was an awesome conversation. So would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So, I mean, I'm a writer um, and I have two children that I take care of, a four-year-old and a five-year-old. And I'm also soon to be a librarian in training because I start my MLAS program in a couple weeks um, because I love books so much. I want to be surrounded by them at all times because, um, you know, it's not enough just to have them around me at home. I also have to have them with me at work. <laughs> so um, I also have a blog. I haven't been on the blog as much, but I try to post reviews to my blog, rjsorrento.com. I'm on Twitter. Not too often, but my DMs are open to writers always at RJ Sorrento on Twitter. And then I also have a bookstagram, which um, I post a couple times a week um, reviews and buddy reads that I do. And that's at rjs.readingnook on Instagram. And if anyone wants to read Captain Stellar and meet my disaster day, superheroes um who turn pansexual sometimes um that's on amazon the ebooks are really inexpensive i will tell you um <laughs> that's all i can say about that um there are two books hopefully i will be writing a third um but i've just been kind of on hold with that other than that i just you know i love to support other writers I'm always cheering on people i beta read for people i help look at people's queries even though I try my best to help with that. Um, and I, I do reviews for people, but I have been kind of backed up on that. So I, in general, I am a, a writer and reader supporter. Awesome. Well, all of RJ's links will be in the description below. So be sure to check them out. And thanks again for joining us on the podcast and good luck with your degree. That's amazing. Thank you. But now we'll turn the question over to you guys. Do you write science fiction stories and how do you go about it? We'd love to chat about it. So tell us your answers in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag, the Merry Writer Podcast. 
We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you want to get some extra content, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer podcast. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month and get extra bonus content. So be sure to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Reams of Papers. We're killing trees. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.